like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. And we are here in our second week of January 2022, um, covering the best pictures. These are best picture winners that one of us, at least, has not seen beforehand. Um, this week, we're talking about 1967's In the Heat of the Night. Um, an odd coincidence that Sidney Poitier just passed away uh, a week prior to our selection, but we actually picked this movie a little while ago. Um, I have seen this before because of movie astrology. We actually covered the year 1967 um, not too long ago. That's a different podcast that I do. Feel free to subscribe to that one. Um, but Corey had not, and it was her pick. So uh, we we're going to be talking about In the Heat of the Night momentarily. But before we do that, we like to catch up with what things have been going on and what we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how's it been? Busy. Busy, busy, busy. What? Uh, why so? I... It's like you ask me that, and then I'm like, what have I been doing? Well, first and foremost, trying to get my life and my house back in order. So for anyone who doesn't know, I work from home. I'm also a messy person. I don't like put things away. So that <laughs> just makes more. I, maybe it's like me rebelling for all those years that I lived with my clean freak mother. I don't know. Mm. Although I do make my bed every day now. That's very important to me. Um, okay. if I don't, then Bill does, but that's very important to me, but like, I just, I don't know. It's like, and I just feel like I'm busy. I have been studying for some things I have in the works. I've been, you know, doing a lot of research for something personal that I want to, something I want to learn for my, like a new, you know, you know, last year I told myself that I am going to just start learning the things I want to learn for now on. So I've been doing a lot of research for some other things that I would like to incorporate into my life, um, like a lot of hours this week. Um, do you ever like go into something that's old? I <clears throat> even feel this way about like Arthur, author, authors, authors, and bands that have been around for a really long time that I'm just like, I don't even know where to start. And you're just like, blah, blah, blah. that's how my brain gets. Yeah, so, sure. That's how I've been this week. But I, yeah, I've just been doing a lot of research. I'm also studying for some other things in my professional life and just generally staying busy. I get that. I do busy. Um, I know you're way more busy than me. Like, I get stressed oh. out hearing how busy you are. I don't know if that's true. I, I stay and not active. sleeping. I, I sleep enough, like five, like six hours. Three hours. No, five, at least five. Five is the minimum. Yeah, outside of five, I don't function. I need at least five. Yeah, I need, I would like <laughs> to have like eight. Yeah, eight's real nice. It doesn't happen very often. I did sleep. I, I slept eight hours. Um, Well, fair. I slept four hours, took more NyQuil, slept four more hours uh, when I was sick this weekend. But that's a rare kind of a, a, a occurrence. Um, But I am um back at work. Uh after you know because the new covid policies are are very different um than they were uh the, so 
it's once if you are tested positive, it's five days from either the first symptom or first like when you test kind of thing. Um, mm. And if you have symptoms, uh, once your symptoms are almost gone and no fever for 24 hours without medication. So like you have to not have a fever, but not taking like aspirin or NyQuil or whatever um, to keep the fever down. Because if you're having to take something to get the fever gone, you're not, it's not gone. You know? um, and so once you are in that position, uh, you can return to the workplace, um, but with a mask uh, for five days. That is uh, my official policy, but that's also the CDC recommended policy, but that's not like enforced everywhere necessarily, but that is enforced where I am. Um, so I am, you know, back well, in mask, which I was already wearing mask uh, because I was trying not to get it. Um, I did get it. And, uh, you know, it, it. I got lucky. Um, well, lucky. And also I am, you know, I've taken the precautions to try to not get it. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that helped with the, uh, the level of, of COVID that I had, because it was very much, um, just a cold for me. It was like a, a, not a, I wouldn't even say a bad cold. It was like a medium cold. I never had a fever at all. Um, but I did have like, you know, like got pretty congested on Saturday. Like that was like the most congestion and then uh, a mild cough. Um, but I felt real, real drained. Like I actually, that was the first thing I started feeling like Wednesday night. I was like, Oh man, I feel really like out. And I'm like, I don't usually feel like this unless I'm getting a cold. And I was like, Oh no, am I getting a cold? Oh no, do I have COVID? And then I took the the first test and it came back negative. Um, and then I took another home test like three days later. And it, this one, I got the positive, uh, test thing, but you know, um, I, I, uh, Kathy couldn't help but ask me um, if I felt a little less stressed now that I've had it. And I'm like, I, yes, but I did have like the mildest version of it. So I'm still like afraid of it um, because we don't know if there's going to be another version of it uh, that could be worse or it could get weaker or who knows, you know, they might finally start to fade away because uh, I believe UF uh, published a report this week or maybe it was last week about uh, with omicron in florida that 80 percent of the state will have had or had it um by the end of january i think was their calculations so florida's just like burning through it at this point so is that a badge of honor florida i don't I'm really know bragging i i'm not proud of it but it <laughs> i was addressing the state of florida yeah, I was... no. <laughs> no. i'm just sp speaking as one representative of florida personally <laughs> I'm not like bragging about it, but like, yeah, eighty percent. I mean, if it was a test, you guys would have a B, <laughs> like the lowest B you can have. But yeah, but dang, um, I'd feel yeah. better. Uh, yes, uh, I'm. Uh, so it's it's a good feeling um, to be a teacher, and uh, ha you know, having to have a sub for I had three different subs uh, for the three days that I missed actual work. Um, I'm lucky I had a sub to be fair. Uh, and a couple, technically one wasn't a sub as much as a coworker in the office who filled in for me. Um, but a lot of, we've had to do that a lot because we have a lot of people having to miss. Um, but, um, it's, it's, you know, as much time as I put into my profession, um, having my students, uh, proclaim as they see that I am back, thank God you're back and things like that is a pretty, you know, reassuring that I'm doing something right that they don't want me not to be there you know 
Um, because I distinctly remember being a student and being very excited when a sub was there. Like, oh, great sub! That means easy day, you know. Um, so having them excited that I'm back is is a makes me feel good and makes all of the uh, the many hours that I dedicate to the job um, outside of pay uh, feel less like a loss and more like, yeah, I'm doing at least I I'm having an impact somehow. Um, so that was always that's nice to come back and like be welcomed back by your students and not like, oh, man, you're back. So, mm, yes. Um, but because I was out and I didn't have much work to do this weekend, I have watched a couple of movies, even though we just recorded. Uh, we are listeners recording a little early this week. Um, so we have probably less overall stuff to talk about, but maybe not. Maybe I have just as much as always. Corey, uh, why don't you go first? What have you been watching since the last time we spoke? Um, not much because <coughs> I've been very busy. I'm still watching, still watching uh, Saved by the Bell on my lunches and stuff and then i just felt like a comfort movie the other day I get so that. i watched wedding singer mm. it is one of my favorite comfort movies it's so good the soundtrack is so good i love i just love it so much i mean there are definitely some not feel good parts in it you know like when he gets left at the altar <laughs> but sorry guys spoiler if you haven't seen this 20 year old movie um I mean, that's barely that's the plot like he has to yeah. get left at the altar for the movie to start so yeah you know and he has goes through some depression and stuff but i feel like overall it's a really good, feel I, good I think movie. that's one of sandler's best performances i i don't oh. think he gets enough respect um it's my favorite of his movies yeah, I I think it's mine as well. Like I I love Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, but those are like easy early comedies for him. Um, he does not to like I think his uh, Punch Drunk Love performance with Paul Thomas Anderson is amazing, and Uncut Gems also very good. But I think I think uh, Wedding Singer is his wheelhouse movie. Like that is the best use of Adam Sandler because he's both able to do the serious like angry anxiety stuff. But he's also able to do the humor very well. There's a there's a softness to his character that I think you don't see in a lot of the other movies. Um, and there's a sincerity to that performance where, like, I, I believe him and Drew Barrymore are going to get together in that movie, like, completely. Um, I, I just, I love so much of that film. And I've seen it a lot. That was, like, a literal, regular, like, I would put it on before I go to sleep kind of comfort movie for me. Where, like, it was, it would ease me off to, to slumberland uh, peacefully. Um, plus, there's so many funny moments in that movie. Uh, just, oh, man. I Big, big fan. Yes, yeah, so good. And also, I don't know if I finished my thought when you asked what how I've been doing, but all that to say that I don't put things away and all that, I've been getting my house in order and cleaning ah, and pretending what? it's going to stay that way. But now I'm done. No, no, that's perfect. Is that all you've seen? Yeah. Um, so I watched a couple of shows. I, I think I had started watching Search Party um, on Friday. Uh, season five and i finished season five um which is the the final season of search party have you seen that show they're five i tried to watch like the first episode i know my own personal role is three episodes but i was just like Meh. wow it's do you not like Aaliyah, uh shawkat I do. yeah I, I man i i think that show gets really really good um it's completely different every season but not like it's not like an anthology where it's like literally different but they they the way the seasons end always warrant a major shift the following season. And they've, they just did something pretty incredible. Like the way it works. Um, it's, I, it's very funny, but 
the characters are obnoxious, but they are supposed to be because it's a satire about like kind of millennial culture in a way. Um, oh God! So I, I attacked. Yeah, yeah. There's some definitely some big digs at some hipster stuff, which I of course can't help but laugh at. Um, but uh, I finished that show. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, I caught a show on Apple TV Plus called Smigadoon. Um, I think that's how you say it. It is uh, Keegan Michael Key and Chelsea something. Um, they are a couple that are going to couples therapy and end up in a fictional town called Schmigadoon that is basically musicals. And so it's a it's like a parody riff on the musical genre, but also done with like love. So there's like the musical elements are really well handled. There's a lot of great comedic actors in it. It's only six episodes and it feels like it's a one off season. Like I can't imagine them doing at least it wouldn't be exactly the same. Um, your boy uh, Armisen, Fred Armisen's in it. Um, I feel like you like him, right? Yes. Um, I, so he, what? 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 Fred Armisen? I'm like, is that? No, 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 no. You don't like him? No. Really? He's from Portlandia. Like that's. Yeah, I don't like Portlandia. Oh, because it makes fun of hipsters. Okay. Um. Well, also, I live. A, it's a little too close for comfort. Okay. Idaho okay. touches Oregon. You did it have consent? Um. So. Uh, um, the, I think those are the only shows I've watched since we recorded. And then I've watched a few movies. Um, I am working through, uh, Jane Campion's filmography because of the blank check podcast. So I watched an angel at my table, um, which, uh, is based on a true story of a New Zealand author. It's a very like crazy story. Um, it was a little, I was a little bored not to, to lie, but it, it was very compelling. It's just like, it's also, it's very like thorough exploration of this woman's life. And some of it is not super exciting. Some of it's kind of mund- like, it's a life, like not everything is exciting. So sometimes I was like, you could probably cut this part out of the movie. I don't know if we needed to see all of this. Um, it's also, but it's also very like the stuff she goes through is troubling for sure. Um, I caught a movie that I've, Oh, uh, I feel like it was on something. What network was it on? It's called uh, What We Do. Sorry, it's a long title. What Do We See When We Look at the Sky? It's on MUBI right now, M-U-B-I, a streaming service that's meant for film, like art house film lovers. Um, It's a foreign film, uh, Big Tuna recommended. It's pretty wild. I liked it uh, quite a bit, but it was, it's, it's a very unique kind of, film it's kind of got like a fairy tale vibe like there's a narrator um but it's set like in a real world but it has like a fairy tale type of story but it's very interesting uh romance kind of movie um worth checking out if you have a movie um the movie that i was like most enthralled by this weekend though uh, i I had what i had a free day i'm sorry a free trial of the criterion channel which is where I was watching some of the Jane Campion films. Cause like a couple of them you could only watch on the criterion channel. Um, and, uh, there was a movie from 1962 called, um, Harry, I'm going to mess up the name. I used to know how to say this word, Harry Kiri, Harry, Harry Kiri. It's the, the word is like the samurai act of like gutting oneself. Um, and that's what it's about. It's, it's not, it's 62. So it's not super graphic. There is one scene that is very violent, but, um, it's about this idea of it and it's very, very, uh, man, just such a good movie. The way it's told, the structure, the acting and, um, the story itself, I just found so compelling. I was really, really hooked into it. Love this movie. 
Um, it was on the list of letterbox has a top 250 narrative films and it was like in the top 10 and I'd never seen it. And I had access to it with criterion channels. So I was like, I'm going to check it out. And I am so glad that I did. I love that movie so much. Um, in the heat of the night, which we're going to be talking about here in a moment. I watched that. And then, uh, last night I had some stuff I needed to do. I was actually organizing my, uh, Blu-rays and DVDs. Um, cause I had been, uh, I'd filled up, I went to sleeves, right. Instead of the cases for the Blu-rays. Um, but I filled up two boxes and I needed a third box. And I'd been waiting on the box to get here. It finally arrived. And, um, once I sleeve the rest of my new Blu-rays, uh, I keep my Criterion boxes, but like all my non-Criterion Blu-rays, I, I pulled out of the, the, the cases and have these sleeve things for them. I then organized the three boxes alphabetically, um, kind of like one box has A through H and the next box has I through uh, R and then the last box is S through Z because I have a lot of movies A through H, like so many. Um, I was like really thrown. I mean, I own a lot of Batman stuff, so that you know, fills in a lot of the B's there. Um, but like Word. way more than I was expecting, uh, like in Harry Potter, uh, H's and, um, the Hobbit trilogies and the H's. So like, I had a lot of stuff like, like that. Um, but so I sorted that. And so while I was doing all that, I wanted a movie on. And, uh, I asked Tuna, I was like, well, you know, what should I do? He's like, you should probably rewatch scream before scream five comes out this weekend. Yes. And I was like, good call, dude. It's been a while since I've watched scream, love watching scream. So three scream on last night. And that got me motivated to uh, rewatch Scream 2 tonight, which I watched just a couple hours ago. Um, I haven't seen Scream 2 in a while. Um, I liked it when I was younger. I tried to watch it like within the last year and I caught just like I came in the middle of it. It was on like Pluto TV or something. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was the scene where um, Jerry O'Connell like sings to Nev Campbell in the cafeteria. And I really don't like that scene. Um, and so that like it, it immediately made me like maybe I was wrong. Maybe this is bad. But rewatching it, no, I actually, I like the second one quite like a bit. The one. Yeah, there's some really good stuff in it. Now, Tuna has said that he didn't like the third one when he first saw it, but he just rewatched it recently and was actually, it, he thought it, it kind of grew on him a bit. So I'm curious, I am going to watch the third one because um, I'm not going to be able to see the new one until this weekend. So I'm going to watch three and four before I go see it. And uh, I'm curious because I've only seen three once. I saw it in the theater, like opening weekend, and I hated it. And I never went back to it. Um, so I'm curious because that was like, uh, I guess it was either late high school me or um, early college me that saw it. Because I don't remember what year three comes out. But um, I did like four, but I've only seen that once as well. Have you seen four? I think that that's the one that I got like five minutes in and I was like, no, nah, can't do this. I don't know, Corey. I think you should give it a chance because I'm, I'm hearing some really good stuff about number five. I'm really excited for five. I have my tickets for tomorrow. Yep. I'm, I can't watch it tomorrow because I got a screener invite to watch Cyrano um, from home. So I'm very excited because I really want to see Cyrano. That was one of the movies from last year. Technically it's from last year, although it's official release is like next week. Um, but I got uh, an at home screening tomorrow night with a Q and a, um, like a virtual oh, nice. Q and a with somebody. Uh, so I'm, I'm very pumped to get to see Cyrano. Um, and uh so uh and that and i i think until i've hit the five day window after having covid i'm going to try to avoid the theater because i'm even though i'm going to wear a mask uh i still feel like it's my obligation to not just go sit in a movie theater with people um so but that is uh that's what i've been watching um i'm probably when we get done with this gonna check out the most recent episode of boba fett and then go to bed but 
let's get into In the Heat of the Night. So I mentioned uh, this whole month, all of the movies that we're talking about are Best Picture winners. So this movie won, uh, came out in 1967, wins the Oscar for the 1968 ceremony. Uh, it wins five Oscars. Corey, can you guess what five categories it won Oscars for? Uh, original song. Um, no, but it does win best sound. So I'll count that. I mean, that was pretty soundtrack or score or anything. Nope. It's not even nominated for that, actually. Uh, uh, I can't remember who did that song. Now that I'm talking about it, I'm forgetting. Anyway, um, OMG. I don't know. Well, best picture. Okay. It's uh, wins best actor lead. in a leading role. Oh, I was about to say lead actor. Okay. But but not not Poitier. Uh, Rod Steiger wins for best actor in a leading role. Um, Sidney Poitier. Po- Man, I'm gonna mess up his name all night. Uh, Sidney Poitier is not nominated for In the Heat of the Night. Um, I'll talk about that momentarily. Yeah, um, I can't wait to hear about that. Uh, it wins best screenplay based on a, an adapted medium. Although at the time it was titled way more complicated than it currently is. Um, and then best film editing. So that's five, right? And best best picture. Um, but then uh, it's nominated for best director for uh, Norman Jewison uh, gets nominated for that. And best effects slash sound effects. But no nomination at all for Sidney Poitier. Um, now, to be fair, I mentioned that I saw this movie when I did Astrology in 1967. The 19, I didn't do Astrology in 1967, sorry. The Movie Astrology podcast covered the year 1967, where we cover an entire year in film. Um, and one of the things Matt and I do when we try to, uh, when we do a year, is we try to get as many movies under our belt from that year as possible. And I noticed that when we were doing that episode, which we did during the pandemic last year, um, that Sidney Poitier had three movies come out in 1967. Um, mm. In the Heat of the Night, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and To Sir With Love. Uh, so, and I watched all three of them in preparation for that episode. And so one of the reasons he's not nominated is because when uh, the Academy members vote, they vote for the actor and the movie. So let's say I voted for Sidney Poitier in In the Heat of the Night, and you voted for Sidney Poitier and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Those votes don't add up for him getting a nomination Dang. in fact hurts his chance Split of getting up. nominated unless you vote unless everybody votes for like him multiple times and uh so that is part of it for sure he'd actually to be fair um i didn't know what year he'd won the oscar which he won in 1964 so he won three years earlier for lilies of the field but still not being nominated for this movie is shocking but be, those three movies of his are all iconic performances of his in one year. So it definitely, I could see that being a legitimate claim and it not just being like an oversight, but he's definitely snubbed for this movie of those three films. This one is definitely the one that I think most people associate with him and have seen. Um, I, I again have seen all three, but only because we covered that year and they all came out in the same year. And I was like, Oh, that's a cool thing to, I'll knock out three big Sidney Poitier films, uh, right, right in a row. Um, and I, I liked all three movies. Um, to Sir With Love for me hits uh, different because he's a teacher and I, I love movies about, you know, teachers. And um, it's it's kind of like one of the early, like, teacher comes in to make a difference, but, you know, the students are trouble and they don't want to change right away kind of movies. But then, you know, how those usually play out. Um, it's It works that way. And then Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Very good. Um, I'd actually, it's odd, I'd seen the Ashton Kutcher, Bernie Mac remake of that film. 
um, many years before I saw the original and, uh, yeah, the original is better, uh, believe it or not. But, um, I thought all this Oscar talk was quite interesting. Um, I read an article from the film experience.net. Uh, I'll have a link in our show notes, um, that talked about this particular film and like the Oscar stuff. And, um, it, that's where I learned, uh, that, uh, where it, actually the article reminded me about the three movies coming out the same year. Um, and, uh, that that's probably a big part of the reason the article also says though, that, um, some would say that awarding, uh, in he, the night best picture is part of like kind of retconning it. Um, like we couldn't give you the award, but we're going to give it to the movie itself. Um, but yeah, it, it's, he's so good in this movie, um, that I had already mentioned that I've seen, but let's get through the other stats. I, I, we don't usually do that much Oscar coverage, but considering this is best picture month for the show, I thought, Hey, we should probably talk a little more about that particular ceremony. Um, the, the summary of the film in the United of black Philadelphia police detective is mistakenly suspected of a local murder while passing through a racially hostile Mississippi town. And after being cleared, he is reluctantly asked by the police chief to help investigate the case has a 75 meta score, a 7.9 IMDb user score, um, as mentioned, directed by and won, uh, nominated for Best Director Norman Jewison, written by Sterling Siliphant, and then uh, based on the novel by John Ball, stars um, Sidney Poitier, Rod Steiger, uh, Warren Oates, Lee Grant, Larry Gates, and James Patterson. Um, see if there's anyone else that we got to mention. I think those are the, the big players. Scott Wilson. Wait, whoa. Where at? I, I didn't oh, yeah. even recognize I was him, y'all. I love Herschel Green from which character is Harvey? Dead. Oh wait, is Harvey the 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 the, the first the guy ruffian. they arrest? Yeah. Wow, wow! I didn't. Dude, I think that I doesn't even look like him. No, yeah. Um, he's in something else that I watched, it, or it was this movie, and I just forgot. But I I remember like seeing him in something else that I'd seen. Oh no, it was in Cold Blood. I because I just watched in Cold Blood the, the Truman Capote. <gasps> That's right. I remember you telling me he was in that weird seeing him like pop up and stuff because i was unaware of him as an actor until walking dead and then Same. like i've now seen a lot of his stuff uh like his cadence like i mean i know he's like acting and probably speaking differently in these movies but like sometimes i can still i feel like i should still be able to tell from his voice or something you know yeah even if he <sighs> okay i see you scott <laughs> um so <laughs> As I mentioned, I'd seen this probably within a year, maybe two. I can't remember for sure when that episode of Astrology came out because um, we we do it as much less frequently than we would like um, because it's a lot of tr like prep work to do an episode. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed it the first time I saw it. But I'm curious, Corey, you picked this movie. What did you think about In the Heat of the Night? I I feel like it was a good movie. It's hard to say though that. I don't know how to word this, but maybe that it, I don't think I would, so I do not try to ignore the history of this country. <laughs> okay. Um, but I still, some of it is still, it's just so hard to believe that that was just, it all, you know, like the civil rights movement was not that long ago. And, mm -hmm. you know, when this takes place was, I mean, longer than I've been alive. Okay. But you know what I mean? It's, there it's still hard i don't want to say it's necessarily hard to watch because i don't know it's not something that i would want to revisit often um well no it's it's not a like a 
happy movie per se. No. Um, so it's a very, it's a, it's a good movie. And obviously, you know, everyone is very good in it. It's, you know, I even feel bad saying it's an interesting story. Well, I think the, the murder mystery part of it is an interesting story. I think, um, yeah, there's just, there are so many layers to this and there's, you know, so much not to be proud of, you know? For sure. Um, you know, and the movie, uh, the article that I mentioned um, points out, like, one of the things that the movie does that is a criticism about Hollywood and how it handles racism um, is that it's it's always comes down to kind of, like, the individual rather than a systemic problem, but also, like, like uh, Rod Steiger's character is depicted as racist, but he's, like, the most tolerable of the racists. Like, he's he's, like, I will say some horrible things, but ultimately I will still be kind to you and, and respectful, but always at a distance. Like I'll never fully let my, my guard down. Like I won't call you a friend or if you step out of line, I'm going to, I'm going to snap at you, but I will begrudgingly respect you. You know, like there's that like level of like the nice racist, I guess, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's, yes. Yeah. Like it, you're, you're, I mean, honestly, uh, this movie is 1967 where civil rights movement is in full, you know, like we're there. Obviously, civil rights movement is not over because the, the things that we are fighting for of equality have not happened enough. But to now to then, there is a lot more, I think, surface level equality. You know what I'm saying? Like, like in the industry, especially like movies and Hollywood characters are treated better in movies now more often, unless it's like a period piece than they would have been treated like in 1967. Um, but we had green book a couple of years ago that again, the setting of green book is this time period, but you have the nice white racist as your main character. And that, like seeing Rod Steiger win best leading actor in this movie, I was like, to be fair, you don't meet Mr. Tibbs for quite a bit. Like it's a good, like 15, 20 minutes before we finally see him because he's not supposed to be there. Like he's, he's just waiting for a train. Like he's not, he's not actually supposed to be involved in this story at all. They drag him into it, you know, by falsely accusing him. But I was like, I've never thought of Gillespie as the lead Mm. to me. Immediately. Mr. Tibbs is the lead. And he becomes the lead. But I guess it's still Gillespie is the lead because he won best actor in the leading role. So. But um, I, 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 I hear what you're saying for sure. It's definitely not um, once uh, this is reflective of the time period that it was made. And that's, I think, important um, because there is you do hear the N word a few times. Um and there's some very like tense moments that are uncomfortable, but it's, I think it's handled well, especially for the time period. In fact, I think that's uh, some of the, the, the critics that I glanced at some of the positives of this movie is that it, it really seemed to be like condemning the racism, even though again, without spoiling anything, Gillespie's character is treated as that the quote unquote nice racist or like, you know, even amongst the, the people who hate black people, there's going to be the one guy who changes in the positive, And that's a that's a reasonable. win. Yeah. Like, 
because without saying exactly what happens, there's a scene at the very end of the movie where like Gillespie's confirmed, like, I respect you, Mr. Tibbs. And Mr. he doesn't say that, but that's essentially like the look he gives him. And Mr. Tibbs kind of gives him a look like you're not so bad, even though you're kind of racist. Like it's still, you know what I'm saying? Like there's still that moment where you're like, mm, I mm, I like it. Cause I, I want people to get along. You know what I mean? Inside of me, I generally want everyone to get along. So I'm always hopeful that like a person who comes off as racist can be changed because I want that. Like I want that to happen. Yeah. But it also always feels like a little like maybe too clean in Hollywood in that regard. Like it's the it's the fairy tale ending. It's like yeah making the audience happy too. Yeah, and exactly does it make you like ah, it's okay that you were racist because at the end of the day, you were nice to one black man. You know what I'm saying? Like, is that... Yeah. It... <sighs> it, it's it's a message that I think you can see in a lot of movies like that. And it's always... It's it's one of those things where it's like, I think you have to look at the intention and and try to like... They're, they mean well, I think. I don't <laughs> know. I just say well. <laughs> I'm not in the I'm not in the best position to really be able to defend this either. Like I I don't and I don't know that I should defend it. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't know that I can really speak to it in a way that's meaningful. But it it's one of the things when when you read stuff about this movie, why it's uh, uh often debated as whether it is um deserving of being the best picture, if it's deserving of being listed as this like excellent top notch film or not. I think it's well made. I I do think the uh, the the police procedural stuff is is very compelling. I think Mr. Tibbs is a tremendous character that is only made better because of Potier. Man, I can't say his name tonight. Potier's performance. And um, man, there's at least like three real memorable moments in this movie that are like I will never get out of my head kind of thing um, because of him. So. Um, weird timing again. We didn't plan to do this because Sidney Poitier passed away, but it, it you know, um, it, it is a, it's good timing, I guess, to revisit, uh, before we get into spoilers, had you seen any of his movies before? I, well, we, I, you saw sneakers cause we did sneakers on the yeah. show. I'm like, I was thinking about that today while I was making dinner. I was like, have I seen any of his other movies? And I was like, I don't know. And then I just got busy with something and then I forgot. But, um. Not that I can think of off the top of my head, which I'm looking really, really fast, but not that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm planning on watching Lilies in the Field, the movie he wins the Oscar for. Um, that appears to be on Amazon Prime. Oh. And um, I've I've been meaning to watch the, A Raisin in the Sun for a long, long time. Um. And I've seen, in the heat of the night, obviously, Guess He's Coming to Dinner, uh, Sneakers, and um, to serve with love, and apparently he's in the Jackal with Bruce Willis and Richard Gere from '97. But I don't remember that movie very well. I saw it at Mugs and Movies, but what? I miss Mugs and Movies. Yeah, me so too. I was like, "What is this?" Apparently, he had a movie in the '70s where he played Virgil Tibbs again. Really? The organization. Yeah, 1971. I see it. Oh, and they call me Mr. Tibbs in 1970. Oh my gosh, that's so the, he. It was a recurring character. Interesting. Oh yep, see that one. Ooh. Um, 
So IMDb is possessed. I'm I'm intrigued by. I mean, they don't seem to be as well received movies, so they're probably more like you know just trying to yeah, like sequels. You know, sequels often are just trying to cash in on a character people liked. Um, yeah, there's a few others I want to check out for sure, but uh, I think I've seen I, I have seen his biggest movies apparently, minus Raising the Sun and Lilies in the Field, which I'm going to try to remedy that here pretty soon, um, and the Defiant ones also. Um, I feel like we should bug some in. Possibly. Uh, oh, Defiant Ones appear to be on Prime as well. Um, maybe oh, Defiant Ones? The Defiant Ones, yeah. Oh, Defiant. Okay. Um, but let's uh, let's get into spoilers for In the Heat of the Night. I want a soundbite. Um, guys, from here on... Well, I can't because it's personalized. Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about In the Heat of the Night. Spoilers, you've been warned. Um, Alright, so... I would say um, the, the the three moments that really stand out. Uh, one, when he says, they call me Mr. Tibbs in response to, uh, oh. what do they call you there? And he's just like, so, like, the way he says it is so powerful. I would like to say, so obviously, I I like that he never backs down. He there are sometimes when he's just quiet and he's like biding his time, I guess he's, you know, I don't know. And then, but most of the time he is just taking up for himself. And I also don't know how to put this into words without it sounding offensive, but as a person who hasn't always stood up for myself, I respected that a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh wait, he wasn't, it, this is not a safe situation for him. No, not at all. Uh, and like, he's warned multiple times. Like, Gillespie, that's the one thing Gillespie keeps doing is like, you need to go. Like, they're they're going to kill you. Like, stop playing around. And Tibbs just can't let go of the case, which, you know, Gillespie initially pulled him in. But then when he saw, like, the town was like, no, no, especially after Tibbs uh, slaps the, the rich white guy, um, which is the other oh. scene. Yes. Okay. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's what like when he first like I was like, oh, you know. Mm -hmm. When that dude slaps him, and he just he slaps him way harder too. Like he really slaps the guy. Um, I was like, whoa. And then, man, the editing in that scene. Response to that: There was a time he asks Gillespie, "What are you gonna do about it?" I'll remember that, and he's like, "There's a time I would have had you shot," and I was just like, "Whoa!" And all that stuff that he says about orchids, like, you know, like saying how they're like black people. Ugh. I was just like, uh, uh, I mean, we already knew this guy was bad news because he he owns a cotton farm, you know, which that doesn't like just make him bad just that by itself but you walk up and he has this statue of a you know i don't know what to call it but it's like a black person statue but it's very caricatured yeah no okay sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no no i I don't think you did i think you were right on point with what i was talking about um that's the like there's um those two scenes i think really really stand out um, I feel like there's a third. Well, I mean the the finale when he's like solving the crime and then like all the guys show up to kill him. Oh, 
and luckily things work out where like it they turn on the other guy but man that scene is tense there it's just like i feel like it kind of just takes it took my breath away a few times not in a good way just the things that people had you know the nerve to say like when Tibbs walks into the diner because he's just trying to trace the cop's steps that night and he's like I'm not serving him and just stuff like that and also that scene where he's in the warehouse or whatever and all those guys chased him and they have chains and stuff that seems scary yeah uh, totally I mean it's it's absolutely terrifying right before Gillespie gets there he's always at the right place at the right time and I mean, there are like he's like you should not park your car so close to the road. He's like people will know exactly where you are, and it, he's just such a fish out of water here, um, Tibbs, because he's coming from Philadelphia where he is a you know murder detective, and here Hom- he's like detective. homicide. Sorry. <laughs> same difference <laughs> right you're right, you're right i'm sorry um i was like that's not the right word but um and he's like speaking with the mechanic and he's like oh no i don't need to stay here i'll go get a hotel and the mechanic just laughs at him and tells his wife oh yeah well we have a place for you to stay you yeah. know it's just like interesting to see i don't know maybe just Mm-hmm. the perspective of of a black man in the south in that time period yeah it's it's not something we could relate to one we no. weren't alive in in the 60s and two we're not black um so we we can't in, at all imagine and again even like seeing the difference of someone who's from the north being in the south and he he obviously knows there's there's a difference but not knowing all of the differences like oh i'll just get a hotel and even like part of the reason they suspect him as a murderer is because his, he has money but he has oh. money because he like he works for a living, and that's you know he he saves his money. Um, yeah, like, there's so many little things like that that the movie does a really good job of kind of pointing out the cultural differences. Um, in a way, I mean, this is a fish out of water story because he's from the north, um, but he's now in the south. Um, you know, he's in it. He's very much in his element in terms of solving the crime. But in order to solve the crime, he has to deal with so much stuff he's not used to having to deal with, and. you know it puts him in harm's way time and time and time again i mean there's three scenes of him basically almost being killed because he's black and those scenes are are horrifying they're intense um he just man he has so much poise and the 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 expertise that just pours out of his performance is so strong um that's why like i when i was watching this the second time i was like man, I, f- I forgot how long it takes to get to him. Like, it, it really isn't... Mm. We're not with him from the beginning of the movie, and uh, his performance is so powerful, I had forgotten that. Like, I'm just like, no, you're with him the whole time. When it was, like, we ride in on the train with him. We walk... And I was like, oh, no, that's right. He's he's not there until the murder has happened because he becomes a suspect. And, um, I mean, initially, he is the guy, according to the cop who finds him, but only because he's a black man that doesn't belong in the city, basically. And they're like, oh, you're guilty um and you have money yeah you're definitely guilty forgot about that hmm and where are they from the man who's murdered and his wife is at chicago um i don't remember what city they were originally from they live there now though because they were like the big business that was coming in to try to like buy out properties um 
one of the things I thought was interesting about this movie, though, is the the guy he slaps, Endicott, who is clearly racist. Um, and I don't think the movie tries to like pretend like he's not. But uh, they do an interesting thing where Tibbs, because he sees Endicott as this powerhouse racist figure, locks his sights on him for a minute. Like he's determined he's the killer. I'm going to prove it. And Tibbs acknowledges that and says, like, you know, I let my own bias cloud my judgment for a minute. I'm I've gotten past that. It's not Endicott. I understand who, what's happening now. But I thought that was an interesting dynamic because it's it's such a red herring. Because for just like Tibbs, I am a hundred percent convinced Endicott is the guilty guy. How do we solve this? You know? Yeah, um, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. And again, he's got this air of authority about him. He doesn't seem he thinks he seems to think he's above the law because he looks at the officer like, why aren't you doing the thing that I believe you should do? Luckily for Tibbs, Gillespie is not, not as, he's not corrupt. He's not like a good guy again. Like he does a lot of messed up stuff, but he doesn't appear to be corrupt. He's afraid. There's a lot of pressure on him by the town. Like, you know, you're basically like your job is ours to take from you if you don't do what we want kind of thing. But um, he mostly stands up for what's right. I've never seen the TV show in the heat of the night. Um, At least not. I, I mm. definitely have seen like bits and pieces of it. I was aware of it as a kid. I was never interested in it. Um, but like the, the dynamic, I, I don't understand because there's definitely it's the dynamic of a white cop and a black cop is definitely part of in the heat of the night. I don't know if like the, if it's supposed to be Mr. Tibbs, like, cause there was a novel. So I don't know how loose it is, but I'm wondering if like, did he move there? Um, like his Tibbs character is supposed to like, does he, after this case, feels like I got to go and clean up Mississippi or like, you know what I'm saying? Like why would he stay in this very racist town unless it's, you know, completely different. And I don't know what I'm talking about, but I am curious the show correlation to the movie. Never saw the show either. I take it. No, I feel like I remember seeing bits or pieces of it. I don't remember anything about it though. Well, um, do you have anything else to you want to mention or are we good to wrap up in the heat of the night? I think we're good. So, but um, what we're going to do this month is we're going to look at uh, the other movies it was up against. So I have seen, I've seen all of them. Um, The five best picture nominees for 19, because there's only five back then, um, for 1967 uh, movies. But again, it's the 1968 Oscars. um, In the Heat of the Night, which wins. Bonnie and Clyde. uh, I forget. Uh, with Warren Beatty, I don't forget, but I mean, I've seen that. Uh, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, but Dr. Doolittle um, talks to animals. Uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, the another Sidney Poitier film from that year. And this is the big one, Mike Nichols' The Graduate. Five Best Picture nominees in the Heat of the Night wins. What do you think? Does that deserve to win, or should one of the other films have had, had the chance? Well, I've only seen The Graduate, but I definitely say In the Heat of the Night should win. I think In the Heat of the Night is probably a more important film because it's actually talking about like what's happening in the world. Although Guess Who's Coming to Dinner does the same thing, but it does it in a more philosophical and um, so like In the Heat of the Night is like in your face, violent racism. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner is more of like passive racism. Um, some of it is direct, but there it's not treated with the violence it's just it's kind of more of like a social issue you know like this constraint like 
you can't date my white daughter because of how people will react. And the thing I found really, really compelling about Guess Who's Coming to Dinner's conversations um, is the father character, um, who is played by Spencer Tracy, is supposed to be like a liberal, progressive California guy, mm. but has a problem with his daughter being with a black man, partly because of the social, like, you know, ramifications, but also because he's not really that comfortable with that idea. Like he's, he supports, you know, the civil rights movement, but, and so like, I thought that dynamic was really interesting and it. It's uh, so I could see that in the same way that it, it is dealing with the political turmoil of the time, but of the five movies, I mean, the graduate's such a masterpiece. It's hard to like, not think like uh, of those movies. I think a lot more people lean on that, but Bonnie and Clyde's also great. Um, I wouldn't put it as best picture over the one that won though. I am okay with in the heat of the night being the winner though. I have, I, I'm not like, Oh, this is not a best picture. I, I I'm a little surprised that Dr. Doolittle's on this list though, because kids movies now like never get best pick noms. Um, and from what I remember, Dr. Doolittle was a kid's movie. I, my grandma used to show it to me when I was a kid. Um, but I, I'm all in on in the heat of the night. Um, but 1967 is a really good year for cinema. There's some really great stuff that comes out. Um, so I think it's a solid winner. Um, that is our review. And I guess that means, uh, I, I do think it's kind of a must see movie. I think it's a film people should watch, especially because of potty. Pot- oh my God. Sydney Potier's man performance. I'm sorry, Sydney. I Sydney apologize. P. Um, hello, Sydney. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, that's, um, that's my take. What, what about you? I would say the same. All right, folks, you have it. Uh, you heard it here first. Corey and I are giving uh, In the Heat of the Night a must-see rating, um, a Best Picture winner from 1968's Oscars, but a 1967 film. We will be back next week, and we're going to be jumping back to the modern era, um, kind of, 1997. Uh, Shakespeare in Love wins Best Picture. I've never seen it. Corey, have you ever seen Shakespeare in Love? No. So we'll be talking about that next week. Um, in the meantime, if you'd like to reach out to us on social media, tell us what you thought of In the Heat of the Night, what you thought about Shakespeare in Love, what do you think about the Best Picture winners in general? Does it even matter? We'd love to hear. You can hit us up on socials. I'm at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R. Star 2 Arts on the end. And if you like what we're doing here at Burke Reviews Movie Club, we'd love for you to give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use. Thank you for listening. And remember, keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watch Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.